Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 4 and 8 to 11. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the young plant come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 11 verses 2 to 9. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offence at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? 
What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Amen. We don't need a degree in psychology to guess at John the Baptist's state of mind in this morning's gospel story. This man of the wild wilderness and the wide open spaces of the spirit is in prison, banged up by Herod Antipas in a fortress by the Dead Sea. Brave, hard-headed John who castigated the corrupt, calling them to repentance, and had preached with such conviction about Christ's coming, even he had begun to doubt. Perhaps the darkness and the disorientation had begun to get to him. And maybe that's why he had that message smuggled out to Jesus, asking the question, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Years ago, I was asked in a confirmation class here at St. Peter's, I don't know whether it was you, Jesse, who asked this question, is it okay for a Christian to have doubts? My answer was, yes, of course it's okay. And you're in some brave and distinguished company It's of immense comfort to know in times of doubt that we're not alone and we're not the first. There's Doubting Thomas, of course, St. Paul, St. John of the Cross in his dreadful dark night of the soul, Martin Luther wrestling not just with the Pope but with himself and the devil, once famously throwing his inkpot at the evil one. And back in the Old Testament, great figures like Jacob wrestling with God, Elijah, Job, Jeremiah, Micah, and the psalmists. Jesus himself crying out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And in today's story, John the Baptist. And we can be grateful to John John, for showing us what to do about our doubts. He puts his doubts to Jesus and asks him a straight question. Are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? And Jesus, who knows his cousin well, gives him a straight answer. He tells John's messengers... He won't be fobbed off with hearsay or second-hand information. You tell him what you've seen and heard. Just call to mind what you know has been happening and tell him. Or rather, remind him. Because surely he's heard that the sick are being healed and the poor receiving the good news. He may be in prison but at least he can receive visitors. 
John knew about these things. But perhaps even he had got things out of perspective. Jesus had great love and respect for John. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. But under the terrible stresses of imprisonment and with the threat of death hanging over him, things for John had understandably become distorted. Sheila Cassidy, in her book, Good Friday People, recalls just such a moment. She was in Chile, in solitary confinement in one of Pinochet's jails for a crime she'd not committed. And like John the Baptist, it could have ended in execution. Mercifully, she says, my sojourn in that desert was brief, though even so it was long enough to leave me scarred. And she quotes a poem by her friend, Anna Mackenzie. We did not want it easy, God, but we did not contemplate that it would be quite this hard, this long, this lonely. So if we're to be turned inside out and upside down, with even our pockets shaken just to check what's rattling and left behind, we pray that you will keep faith with us and we with you, holding our hands as we weep, giving us strength to continue and showing us beacons along the way to becoming new. And the beacons that Christ offers his dear cousin in prison for his sake are signs of the kingdom. As if to say, hang on to these. Give thanks for what they promise and let them speak to your doubts. Observable things are happening in people's lives and bodies and families, good healing hopeful things, change for the better. Jesus might just have, just as effectively reminded John of the old story still alive in their family from the time when his mother Elizabeth was pregnant with him. When she heard that her teenage kinswoman Mary had also conceived a child, Elizabeth had felt the embryonic John dance for joy in her womb. Or Jesus might have reminded John of how he felt when Jesus emerged from the obscurity of Nazareth and began his public ministry. John said, the bridegroom's friend is overjoyed at hearing the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, and now my joy is complete. To encourage John to carry on and to rekindle his flagging hope, Jesus renews John's joy, which is what he can do for us. At its best, the church down the years has been 
a celebratory people, because we're a people of joy. Sometimes we don't look like it, but we are inside. The Catholic Church refuses to make anyone a saint until evidence is produced of their hilaritas, their joy. G.K. Chesterton ends his book Orthodoxy by suggesting that the gigantic secret of Christianity is humour, a joyful mirth shared by Christ himself. And writing to the Philippians, Paul says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's offering the same sound advice and pastoral wisdom that Jesus offered John the Baptist, depressed and dejected in prison. And the two key words in that sentence from Paul's letter are with thanksgiving. Saturday mornings in my theological college were always devoted to pastoralia, the pastoral work of ministry. And they were wonderful sessions taken by our principal, Dr. Fred Greaves, and I learned so much from him. He would often say, and you'll have heard me say this many times, there's a kind of praying that's counterproductive. And he called it worrying with your eyes shut. Concentrating so hard on our own plight or the more terrible plight of others or the state of the world that we can get quite overwhelmed and lose our way. And I happen to think that's how many people are feeling just now. Intercession should be interlaced with thanksgiving for what God is doing. Have you seen God at work this week? We could spend the rest of the service answering that question. Did you hear about the medical breakthroughs offering hope for haemophiliacs? And Huntington sufferers? That awful disease. And how hope itself, real research here, how hope itself can help people with asthma and diabetes. And I believe God was there in St. Paul's Cathedral last Thursday as survivors of the Grenfell Tower disaster told their stories and a choir of Muslim schoolgirls sang, When all around is dark and you can see no way to go, never lose hope. And that came out of those kids' experience. And the nation put its arms around the green heart of that extraordinary community. That was God at work, I believe. We do well to take the advice 
of Jesus to John and keep our eyes and ears open for signs of the kingdom because despite everything that's happening, they are there for those with eyes to see. Then we ourselves, still struggling with our doubts, they don't go away, nonetheless also become beacons along the way to becoming new. Like John, we shall loyally point to Jesus as the Lamb of God who is taking away the sins of the world, bringing to our sick society and the sick people in it healing, hope, and the peace of God which passes understanding. Monica and I have grown to love the poems of the songwriter and priest, Malcolm Geet. If you've not found him, I recommend him. And I close with this sonnet, St. John's Eve, which falls at midsummer and is celebrated in many countries with bonfires. Midsummer night and bonfires on the hill burn for the man who makes way for the light. He must increase and I diminish still until his sun illuminates my night. So John the Baptist pioneers our path, unfolds the essence of the life of prayer, unlatches the last doorway into faith, and makes our inner space an everywhere. Least of the new and greatest of the old, Orpheus on the threshold with his lyre. He sets himself aside and cries, Behold the one who stands amongst you, comes with fire. So keep his fires burning through the night. Beacons and gateways for the child of light.